So, Alyssa Ronick, we have talked to you about Michaela Schifrin, the skier, on this show before. But right now, what I need to know is what exactly she's trying to do now. What is she chasing? Michaela is truly unbelievably, at this point, one win, one World Cup win away from tying the title of greatest ski racer of all time. She is attempting to eclipse a 34-year-old record held by Swedish ski legend Ingmar Stenmark, who has 86 World Cup wins. She is right now at 85, and she has a really great chance this coming weekend to both tie and surpass him and break his record in his home country in Ari Sweden. And so Ingmar Stenmark, who both is a legend and also has the name of exactly what I would imagine a, a Swedish skiing legend to be named, um, <laughs> this is the guy whose record she's trying to break, which is an enormous historic deal that everybody in the sport is watching. You have to also remember one of the many remarkable things about Michaela's career that's led her to this point is that she is just 27 years old. She'll turn 28 next week. So she likes to use the term reset his record. She does not Mm. believe she's breaking his record. She believes he will forever and always be the standard, be the greatest of all time. She's just taking the record that he, this sort of arbitrary number that he set that the world is focused on, and she's going to reset it to where she, when she finishes her career. But she does it this weekend or anytime this season. She will have achieved 86 wins, 87 wins in 1,000 fewer days than it took Stenmark almost three years faster than he set his record. And by the way, we should mention here that Michaela Schifrin has already overtaken Lindsey Vaughn for the most World Cup wins by a female alpine skier ever, right? I mean, Vaughn had won 82. Schifrin is now at 85. And she is looking to, yeah, get the all-time record. And so all of it, it reminds me of how far away this possibility felt when she was in Beijing, right? Because at those Olympics, she had skied out of bounds three times. We know that her mental state was in utter disarray. She was still mourning the death of her father, Jeff Schifrin. And in the time since then, Alyssa, I know she has been sending you these voice memos after her races And she's been explaining how she's been feeling. So that's something she has done all season for a small group of journalists who have been covering her for a long time. After each race, uh, via her her longtime publicist, Megan, she will send uh, both clips of her interviews with the media after her races. And then she'll sit somewhere quietly and, and just talk into her phone and record these voice memos. Well, that was... A pretty insane evening. I mean, as far as numbers go, I now know that it's 80 and 50. (laughs) And sometimes they are very revealing because they're not about the race itself. They're about where her headspace is at, how she's feeling about all the attention being placed on this number. I've always had trouble explaining how it feels to break records and what the numbers mean to me and all of that. It's just, 
I never have the right celebration in the finish and people always think I'm angry when I'm happy or I'm just, it, it's just something that I don't ever seem to do properly or understand fast enough. I think one of the things that's really stuck with me is she said the reason she she truly, truly is not focused on records and on this specific record is because it is so hard to win one World Cup race. And so she's never wanted her fifth win or her 80th win or her 86th win or someday her 103rd win to feel more important than the one she is standing in at that moment or the one that could happen that day. I mean, the thing is, if I was standing in the start thinking about winning my 80th race, I would not have won. And that's something that I've really thought about as we've been covering her throughout this season is her saying, I, I really, please let's focus on the moment. It's a lesson for all of us who are who are covering her, her chase for 87. No, I, I totally understand that. But all of which is to say that that degree of presence hmm. leaves the job to you. Alyssa, to tell us what is at stake here. What are we looking at as she is about to do this? I think there's a few things about this record that are really phenomenal. One is that 87 really did seem like a pretty unreachable goal. You remember Lindsey Vaughn was so intentional about wanting to break that record. And she got to 32 years old and finally had to say, my body will no longer, it's telling me to stop and I have to listen to it. And when Vaughn didn't break the record, it really felt unbreakable. And so for her to be here at this place so much faster, to do this so young with several years ahead of her and to think about where she could reset this record to is is mind-blowing. I really do think if, if she were in a sport that was more accessible to American sports fans, if you didn't have to wake up at 2.30 in the morning <laughs> to watch this race on a website that you have to be signed up for alerts to, that this would be the story in sports right now, without a doubt. So I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I don't know a ton about alpine skiing. I'm the kind of person who has gone skiing at all, like five times in his life, and is mostly proud that I have not yet been catastrophically injured. But all of us, we should all know the name Michaela Schifrin. Because like Tom Brady and Michael Jordan and Serena Williams, Michaela Schifrin is simply one of the greatest athletes of all time. And so today, Alyssa Ronick brings us up to speed on Michaela Schifrin's march to history. And she gives us a crash course in why it is even more absurd than you might think. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Tuesday, March 7th. And this is ESPN Daily. Shopping for Father's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Father's Day. Whether you're shopping for your brother's first Father's Day or your Renaissance man grandpa, whose interests, of course, are all over the map, 
Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and over. You can also sort by category, like cologne, watches, and more. Or gift lists for items like, I don't know, your grill master or golfer in your life. You can also get top tech, from Beats headphones to JBL portable speakers. Or if you're looking for top brands, you'll find gifts from Calvin Klein, Polo Ralph Lauren, and Columbia. So what are you waiting for? Father's Day is June 16th and we'll be here before you know it. Macy's offers the ultimate gift guide to making selecting something special for dad incredibly easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. So Alyssa, the title of, of greatest of all time here, which feels appropriate for Michaela Schifrin. It occurs to me that you are the person who has a unique level of insight into not just the present for her, but also the past and and the future. So how has she done this by the age of 27? So when she was a student at Burke Mountain Academy in Vermont, her best friend and some coaches who knew her back then told me that there would be days when you would have these coveted powder days, a rarity sometimes in Vermont, you get three, four feet of powder and they would give the team the day off and they would all go free riding and just powder skiing. Everyone except Michaela Schifrin, who would be at the training hill running technical drills. And her best friend Bug told me it was always going to be someone like that who broke Stenmark's record. It wasn't that she didn't like having fun or free skiing, which by all accounts she also loves, it was that as long as she was putting on a race suit and her job was to be a ski racer, she was obsessed with the pursuit of the perfect turn. And that's something that her coaches have said. It's this like very pure drive to not win races, but ski perfectly. And Despite the fact that she is about to be, by the numbers, the greatest of all time, she does not believe she's ever achieved that. So she, every time she lines up at a start gate, is still that eighth grader from Burke Mountain Academy trying to find the perfect turn. And you hear that in those voice memos she sends. She could take second, third place, but if she felt her skiing was as close to perfect as she could be that day, you can hear the excitement in the the fun in her voice. Honestly, it's just such a pleasure to ski on this hill. It's very fun. It's easy to be disappointed to not get on the podium, but on the other hand, I felt pretty good with my skiing, so uh, it's it's okay. Like, I'm happy and maybe not totally satisfied, and that's that's an okay place, place to be. And on the days even when she wins and she feels like she left hundredths out on the course, she is not as satisfied with herself. So I think with the coaches later today, I'll look at um, look at the video and try to analyze if there's anywhere I can like make up a few hundreds because it's it's really quite tight, you know. So this quest for perfection, this purity of of the quest, uh, it, it does seem to a, a normie like me. Um, kind of exhausting. <laughs> I mean, to try and be perfect every single time. And I want to couple that 
also with the idea of actual like physical exhaustion the degree to which she is doing this and and the rate at which she has racked up all of these wins that all feels yeah uh tiring to say the least you're right and i think the people around her her coaches especially that's something that is constantly on their minds in the modern day alpine ski racing there is certainly more opportunity to stack wins you can stack your schedule so that you are racing every weekend, every day of every weekend. But the amount of skiing, how technical the courses have become and how spread out the series is, how much travel that entails, that is a real concern, is her becoming fatigued, sick, and most of all, injured. And this season, there have been weekends where they'll take the whole weekend off and use that for training to keep her from being fatigued and lose motivation. But it really seems like, especially this season, and I think it all goes back to the past couple of years she's had and the perspective that she's gained. That's what I was going to ask you about. She's really having fun. Yeah. And so I think that's part of what's kept her motivation and her fatigue factor low is how much she's enjoying ski racing this season. Oh, especially after how little she seemed to enjoy it in Beijing in 2022 at the Winter Olympics, where she was just struggling incredibly publicly, not being able to do seemingly the most basic things in her sport. And and so how did that chapter figure into the trajectory of this record chase? I think the favorite thing I've heard from someone around her recently is her, her agent, Killian Albrecht, told me last week that he thinks the perspective that she found both through the never-ending process of of going through healing and dealing with her father's death and then the very specific experience in Beijing, is she realized a couple of things. One is that if she could find the strength to put on skis again and put one ski in front of the other and move forward and race and win and lose in a world without her dad, and if she could get through what was to a lot of people the most disappointing thing she could have possibly done in Beijing and live to ski another day and realize that her worst day skiing is not her worst day by far. She just gained so much perspective, right? And he said she is mentally stronger right now than I've ever seen her. And he's been working with her since she was 13, 14 years old. And so I think to have an athlete with her level of talent and motivation and drive and an obsession over skiing the perfect turn and the kind of perspective she has now. Now we're seeing how dangerous someone like that is to be standing in the start gate with a smile on your face and perspective and that amount of experience and talent (laughs) is why she has just been so dominant this year. If I learned anything last year, it's that these big events, they can go amazing and they can go terrible. And you're going to survive no matter what. So I kind of don't care. (laughs) But now I want to put perspective on just what this means when you zoom out a bit. Because... This is a sport largely dominated uh, by Northern Europe, right? The average American, as you said, it's hard to pay attention or at least keep up with it in in the mainstream um, outside of the Olympics. And so just give us a sense of how important the World Cup circuit that she's navigating as we talk about this, how important that is for the rest of the planet. Like, how does uh, Michaela Schifrin's fame differ in Europe compared to here in the U.S.? 
You know, every four years when the Olympics comes around, ski racers try to explain to especially American fans who only see ski racing every four years, like, this is not the most important thing in our sport. The World Cup is the most important thing. The overall title, the individual discipline titles, that's what we care about, right? And that truly is true when you are talking about ski racing fans and when you are talking about European skiing fans. The World Cup, this this record by Stenmark is it. This is it. There is nothing bigger. You might be a fan of the Norwegian team. You might be a fan of the Swedish team. You might be a fan of the Czech team. But you are also going to these races to watch Michaela Schifrin make history. Her agent told me about a woman who drove six hours from her home to a race in, I believe, the Czech Republic. 82 years old, had just heard of Michaela Schifrin, knew there was going to be a slalom race there, knew how good she was in slalom, and just wanted to see her race in person. Her practice sessions are lined with fans. They had to hire extra security to help her walk through town. I love the idea that people just follow her like the Grateful Dead. 100%. Yeah, we're just tracking her around around the world. Yeah, she's the Beatles. I mean, her best friend told me it was being in Prague with her and walking around the city was like walking around with Serena Williams or a rock star. Mm. People show her, you know, their child who's named Michaela or they just want to get a <laughs> selfie with her. I think it's partly why she likes coming back to the States as well. It is quiet. She doesn't experience that, but it has to feel really nice to be appreciated in that way while you're going for such a historic record. After the break, how Michaela Schifrin's friends and family are keeping track of her record-breaking career. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. And you know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. I know I have. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So Alyssa, it is now clear to me that Michaela Schifrin is not going to be the person who obsesses about the details, the numbers of this record chase. But I also understand that her friends and family, um, they are not wired that way. And so there is one friend in particular that you spoke to, and her name is Brayden Peck. She goes by Bug, and uh, Bug has got some spreadsheets, apparently, that you examined in your reporting. So take me into this database. What is going on here? I think we might have hired Bug 
uh, to work in our research department after she forwarded these spreadsheets to us. We actually used some of her spreadsheets uh, to create a couple of the charts that we used in the story um, that we're preparing for when she breaks this record. But essentially, Bug was her roommate at uh, Vermont's Burke Mountain School in high school. And so they have been very, very close ever since. And she actually made a promise to Michaela that she didn't realize would would require this many years of compliance. But she told her she would watch every single one of her World Cup races live. And she has done that for 12 years. Mm. And so she also goes over and she, she has an uncle who's a huge fan, lives in Prague. So she went over this year and stayed with him and watched some of her races. But early on, when she started really, really dominating in those like 2017 to 2019 years, she and her uncle would have these debates and and they would hear the announcers on TV say Michaela was the youngest to do something or she had been the fastest to get to something or on pace to something, but they couldn't find anything deeper. And so they started plotting all of her races, the races of the greatest of all time ahead of her, the races of her biggest competitors, of the best men, the best women, and creating these Excel documents. One of the things she wanted to find out was, what is the potential for this sport? Like, what Michaela's doing seems phenomenal, but is it the best you can possibly be? What are some of her win rates compared to other athletes? Ski racing analytics, finally. Finally, someone is doing it. <laughs> One woman in Connecticut has has brought us <laughs> ski racing analytics, absolutely. But wait, what does Michaela think about the spreadsheets that were <laughs> that were dissected? Yeah, so the funny thing here is I'd been going back and forth with Bug and with uh, Michaela's publicist, Megan, and they both finally said, are you going to talk about this in the story? I said, absolutely, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about it. We're going to quote Bug. And uh, they said, okay, well, Michaela doesn't know we've been doing this. So Michaela might find out about this <laughs> in this story after she breaks the record. And they both said it's going to generate the world's biggest eye roll because even though something we reported in the story last year, Michaela herself does love a good Excel spreadsheet, but she's using them for her finances and like grocery shopping. Right. I think she's going to be pretty shocked to know that her friends have been obsessing over her ski racing career like this. But wait, the, the idea that she's going to roll her eyes is one thing. The idea <laughs> that you, Alyssa, reporter, sees this information and your response, eyeball-wise, is what when you see them? Oh, well, my eyeballs jumped out of my out of my head looking at... I mean, there's a couple of stats, right? So every time she races, you see that stat on NBC that compares her to the other goats and her win rate, that 35% win rate. It's sort of enough, right? You just look at that and go, more than one in three races in her career, she wins. I mean, that is, in a sport like ski mm. racing, where there's so many variables, that is mind-bending. But then when you look at some of the other things she's done, one of the things that really jumped out to us was that she's won 51 slalom races. So more than half the races she's entered, she's won in slalom. She's on pace to be the greatest slalom racer of all time. She would argue with me that she's not yet. But <laughs> in 48 of those 51, she was leading after the first run. Which means if you see Michaela Schifrin leading after the first run of slalom, it's over. Three times she's had to come from behind. That is an incredible stat. And it also speaks to when you look at the other thing is how her dominance over, like if you look at the difference in first and second and second and third, it has really closed up over the past 12 years. The rest of the world has risen to her level, and yet she is still winning that dominantly. But that just shows, I mean, that kind of parody, she is still dominating a sport that, that is arguably as competitive as it has ever been. 
And that competition is is riven with, you called it inconsistency, but I want to understand why there is such chaos in this sport for people on the outside of it. What are the variables that a ski racer at the highest level is managing in terms of just stuff that could happen on a given day? I mean, first of all, if you just think about snow, right? Just think about the snow in your backyard. It's very inconsistent from <laughs> yeah. morning till afternoon to night. Ever, ever more inconsistent, it seems. <laughs> right? So you start with a course that is different, completely different from race to race and from discipline to discipline and is completely different often from skier one to nine to 15 and from run one to run two. So you're dealing with those variables of the ski. Now you're also dealing with equipment. The, the equipment itself is its own competition. And dialing in your equipment is hard enough when you focus on just, say, downhill or just the speed events or just the technical events. When you're someone like Schifrin who's skiing across six events, often she'll go from a technical of couple of races to some speed events like the downhill and not have time really to train in between, where if you're a downhill specialist you are training speed constantly. And so there are just so many variables. Remember, she's the only ski racer in history to win in all six World Cup disciplines. Now you're trying to dial in equipment for all of these different types of skiing, types of courses. That is also troublesome. Also this weekend, I think in the first Super G, there was like 16 one hundredths of a second that separated first and fourth. <laughs> so many She finished decimals. just off the yeah. podium, right? And so when you think about having to find fractions of a fraction of a second with all of those variables, the difference between finishing first and fourth is nothing. It's like, I don't even know, is it the flutter of a butterfly's wings? <laughs> I don't even know yes, how quickly yes. that is. And so to be dominating a sport with all of these things that can go wrong and not to mention injuries and sickness and all the other things. Right. It's hard to imagine being as consistent for now 12 seasons as Michaela has been. And so if these are the variables, all of the obstacles, the chaos in front of Michaela Schifrin, as she is now uh, one whole number away from tying this record, she is two wins away from resetting, from shattering this thing. Uh, what happens after, do you think? What happens after she does successfully do it? <laughs> I think Michaela Shivern's going to have a party just about the fact, just to celebrate the fact that we're all going to stop talking about 87 World Cup wins. <laughs> I think for her, she understands the historic nature of this and how incredible it is. But now she just gets to go back to being a ski racer who is lining up for a GS or a slalom or a downhill. And... That said, she breaks the record. She ties the record. Say she's at 87 wins. She has said she still has three, four seasons left in her. Certainly another Olympic cycle. Mm. And so if you look at the pace at which she's been winning races every season, Stenmark himself has said he believes she will reach 100 wins. So if you think about where Michaela, you know, if she skis three, four more seasons, say she leaves this season close to 90 wins. I mean, we're talking 110, 115. I mean, who knows where she will reset this record. Man. And of course, she has another Olympics. And so we'll see what happens there. You know, I think she will go in with a different perspective. Maybe she will go in instead of the whole world expecting her to win six gold medals. Maybe she'll just go in with the 
with the goal of finishing races and and the kind of perspective she has now. I guess I'm mostly thankful for the opportunity and I'm thankful for the people around me who do so much work to make it possible and their belief in me because most of the time I don't really believe in myself. But when I feel that they believe in me, it gives me some extra motivation to push harder and try just a little bit more and to see what's possible. The nice thing for for fans, I think, is right now, because of this historic chase, we're all hearing her name. But this isn't a, a skier who's going to reset a record and ride off into the sunset. We get to now watch her for a few more years, which is so incredible. So I think for fans of ski racing, it's really exciting that she could set this, reset this record, break this record, and still we get to watch her ski for a few more years. Yeah. Alyssa Ronick, thank you for telling us all about the greatest of all time, even if she doesn't <laughs> want us to call her that. Thank you so much. I, You know I love talking about Michaela Schifrin and, and this record, so I so appreciate you having me on again to do that. I am Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>